Hi, Pastor Parsons. Welcome, guys. Tennesseans, huh? Yeah, I'm from Kentucky. draw near with a true heart and confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Our help is the name of the Lord. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. Almighty God, merciful Father, I, 
a poor miserable sinner, confess unto you all my sins and iniquities with which I've ever offended you and justly deserved your temporal and eternal punishment. But I am heartily sorry for them and sincerely repent of them. And I pray you of your boundless mercy and for the sake of the holy, innocent, bitter sufferings and death of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, to be gracious and merciful to me, a poor, sinful being. Upon this short confession, I, by virtue of my office, as a called and ordained servant to the word, announce the grace of God unto all of you, and in his stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Shower, O heavens, from above, and let the clouds rain down righteousness. Let the earth open that salvation righteous may bear fruit. Let the earth cause them to both sprout. Their measuring line goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun. Its rising is from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them and there is nothing hidden from its heat. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning is now and will be forever. Amen. Shower, O heavens, from above and let the clouds rain down righteousness. Lord, have mercy upon us. Christ, have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy upon us.
Stir up your power, O Lord, and come and help us by your might, that the sins which weigh us down may be quickly lifted by your grace and mercy. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. The Old Testament lesson for this, Cele, the fourth Sunday in Advent, is written in the 18th chapter of the fifth book of Moses, commonly called the Deuteronomy, beginning at the 15th verse. And the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your, and from among your brethren, and it is him to whom you shall listen, just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb in the day of the assembly, when you said, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, or see this great fire any more lest I die. And the Lord said unto me, They are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brethren, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he will speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words, that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. The Lord is near to all who call on him, and all who call on him in truth. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord, and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. This lesson is written in the fourth chapter of St. Paul's letter to the church at Philippi, beginning at the fourth verse. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Alleluia. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O oh my God. Alleluia. gospel is written in the first chapter of St. John, beginning at the 19th verse. Glory be to thee, Lord. This is the testimony of John, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, 
I am not the Christ. And they asked him then, who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. So they said unto him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah has said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees, and they asked him, Then why are you baptizing, if you are neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? And John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one whom you do not know, even he who comes after me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to untie. These things took place at Bethany, across the Jordan, where John was baptizing. This is the Gospel of the Lord. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, God of very God, begotten not made, substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, whom for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Ghost of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried and the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spake by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come.
to get the story straight. And that was the problem that day. You see, the Reverend Braswell preached a sermon about a local man, a notorious liar, who lived up past Swift Creek. You see, a farmer had told the pastor how this man had gotten sick and had thrown up four black crows. Well, that was interesting. So he'd made it the point of one of his sermons. Well, after the service, the farmer came up to him and told the reverend that that fellow I told you that threw up four crows, well, it was only three, not four. Well, who was the man with the crows? The reverend asked the old farmer, wanting to get the story straight. He said, I don't know the man personally, but Royce King up over there, when he was there when it happened, and he knew the man. And so Pastor Braswell went and found Royce King. Royce and asked him about the man with the three crows, and Royce said, well, there wasn't three, there was only two crows, but they were big crows. But I wasn't really there. It was actually Ada Powell's brother was there, and he was, he was helping the man at the time. So Pastor drove over to Ada, Ada's brother's house, the farm there, and asked him about the crows, the two crows. And he said, yeah, they were, it wasn't two crows, though, it was just one big crow. Well, now the pastor was pretty upset because of all this uh, crows losing numbers here, and he had talked about four crows in church. So he, he, he said he hadn't really seen it himself. He just heard about the crow. So more upset than ever, the reverend went to GK, uh, GK's farm because, you know, Ada Powell's brother said that GK was the one that had seen it because GK had been bringing a load, of, a load of peanut hay over to this other farm. So he went over there and talked to him, and, but he wasn't there. His wife was there. And he asked about the crows, and the woman said, the lady said, well, you mean a black crow? And he said, yeah, a black crow. She said, there wasn't no black crow. There wasn't a black crow. Billy Hackett just got sick and, and, and threw up, and, and it, it just looked like a black crow. So much for believing stuff you hear, right? When I was in journalism school, they used to say, always make sure you get the story straight before you go to print. And... Um, they don't always say it nice like that either if you don't get the story straight. But getting the story straight like Pastor Braswell, that's kind of what the Jews were doing, weren't they? By sending priests and Levites from Jerusalem to find out what this man out in the wilderness was preaching about. And they asked John the Baptist, right, who are you? And he confessed and did not deny. He confessed that I am not the Christ. I'm not the Messiah. Then they asked him, well, what then? Are you Elijah? And he said, no, I'm not. Well, are you the prophet? He answered, no. And they said, well, you've got to give us something because we've got to tell the people who sent us something. And he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. That's interesting, isn't it? A voice, just a voice. In fact, that's really what all, all us pastors are. We're just a voice. That's the reason why we wear a black uniform with a, with a white, with white at our throat. Because really, we're just a voice. We're just like John the Baptist in the sense that we're just a voice. 
or just one who speaks. And yet John the Baptist uses it interesting the way he says it. He says he's a, he's a phone boantos, which means that he is a voice that's a loud voice. He's a shouting voice. He's a voice that's crying out with strong feelings. In other words, John the Baptist isn't a quiet, deliberating pastor talking about things. No, he's somebody that's shouting, trying to warn us of danger. He's energetic and frantic and, and alarm. He's trying to raise the alarm. The, the word phony in the Greek here has the sense of, of like a sound, a great sound made by a living creature in a threat, coming out of the throat. It's more animal. It's more visceral, earthy. And it's, it's interesting because the ancients, both Hebrew and Greek, both Gentile and Jew, they saw the voice, a loud voice, as, as um, pointing to God, as pointing to the divine. That's the reason why the Greeks, the pagan Greeks, thought that their pagan god Zeus, his voice was numinous with force. And the Hebrews themselves, you heard from the Old Testament lesson there in Deuteronomy 18, how when the people were at Mount Sinai, they, they, they literally were below Mount Sinai, and the, and the voice of God was booming across. And the people said, please, don't let God ever speak to us this way again. And God said, yeah, they're, they're correct. Because the unfiltered voice of God is so strong and so powerful and so amazing that, that emotionally we just can't handle it. It's too much. We have to get God through a filter. It just overwhelms us otherwise. And that's the reason why God, in Deuteronomy 18, tells us that he creates the ministry. He creates men who will go and speak his words to us. If we hear those words, we hear God. Right? Thus the ancients, both Hebrew and Greek, saw that God spoke, that the, the divine speaks to the human. And, these, the, and where this normally, the speech is normally found is at a sanctuary. Right? The phone of God, the phone of the Lord, the divine voice speaks from a sanctuary normally. So the Greeks, they thought it was at Delphi, though they were wrong. Right? And, and the Christians, we knew where it was. It was, in the, it was first in the tabernacle. That's why during the Torah, so much detail is put to the building of the tabernacle and the use of the tabernacle. It's at the tabernacle, and then David moves the tabernacle to Jerusalem, and then Solomon builds the temple, and it's in the temple that God meets with his people. It's God, there. We know he hears us. It's there. We learn his will. Until John the Baptist, that is. See, John the Baptist, even though he's a Levite, and even though his father is an Aaronic priest, so therefore John the Baptist could have been a priest and he could have been in the temple legitimately, according to the Old Testament laws, he's not there. He's actually on the Jordanian side of the Jordan River. Why? It's interesting, isn't it? See, nothing in Scripture is accidental. It's all intentional. So why would, his, why would the voice of God, why would the kol Hashem, why would the voice of God be out in the wilderness and not in the temple where it's normally found up until this point. Well, because God is showing us that he's making a change. He's doing something different. No longer will God meet with man in temple made by human hands. But now, as we Lutherans confess in our confessions, that, that the temple is, is found wherever God's word is purely preached, the gospel is purely preached, and the sacraments are celebrated according to the gospel, there is God. There are his gifts. There he meets with us. There we know we receive forgiveness. Thus, St. John's voice in the wilderness signals a change in how God will deal with humanity 
And this change actually began many months before now, before this, this fourth Sunday in Advent. It began actually in the spring at the Annunciation, which is that, that first piece of artwork there represents, where the angel Gabriel came to Mary and told Mary that she would conceive a son of the Lord. And as the angel Gabriel's bringer to this word, she's conceiving in her womb God. So that the Shekinah, the theophany of God that is found over the mercy seat in the temple is no longer there. It's now in the, in the womb of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And that's why we have this season of Advent, because we, we, it's a season of expectation and repentance. That's why you make straight the way of the Lord. You're trying to prepare yourself for the appearance of the Lord. And he does appear. He appears on Christmas Eve. And we celebrate his appearance on Christmas Day, where the shepherds found him wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger. God's presence no longer in a temple made of stone. Now, in a temple made of flesh, the flesh of man, that God the Son takes as his own flesh, so that Christ becomes us, so that we might know his forgiveness and his life through him. Think about that. The most wonderful present of Christmas, the most wonderful present that any, anyone could give us, is the very life of Jesus himself, which Jesus gives us freely when he becomes incarnate. Yes, that's the reason why John the Baptist is like a mighty, mighty sound. That's why he's crying in the wilderness. And yet the second idea behind Jesus, behind John crying in the wilderness is equally as, as profound. Because he, he's a voice, right? He's a voice crying in the wilderness. What is the wilderness? The wilderness is the kingdom of the devil. It's the kingdom of the enemy. That's what our world is. We live in a wilderness as Christians, a world that does not care about us and does not, does not like us and does not want us here. This is not our home. This is a place where we stay for a season. And that's why, that's why we read in the scriptures how in 1 Corinthians 1.23, we preach Christ crucified. It's a scandal to the Jews, and it is foolishness to the Gentiles. Yes, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are dying, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. That means that we who believe, when we hear St. John the Baptist crying out, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's a good thing for us. That's like our alarm going off in the morning. It's like, okay, yes, I need to repent of my sins because God is coming and I must prepare for him. I must trim my lamps like the wise virgin so that I might go into the wedding feast of heaven forever. That's a good thing. But to the unbeliever, all they hear is noise. That's all they hear. Just noise. They hear just the tales told by an idiot full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. Macbeth, Act 5, Scene 5. That's all they hear. Just idiotic things. And that's sad, isn't it? It's truly tragic. See, when Martin Luther preached this sermon text almost half a millennia ago, he says the Jews sent members of the High Council to ask John who he was. And he replied that I am simply somebody who is satisfied to have the honor of being a voice in preaching about the man, the man that you are seeking. And he is close by. He is the Christ. He is the prophet proclaimed in Deuteronomy 18, 18. He is the one you want. However, if you wish to know who he is, hear me out. For I am going before him and preparing a way for him. He is coming after me. But if you do not listen to what I am preaching, you will not find him. Unquote. 
Martin Luther's right, right? I mean, Christ, through his bride, the church, has sent us messengers to proclaim his truth and show us the way. But if we will not hear that voice crying in the wilderness of this world, then we will not get the story straight. Like old Pastor Braswell, we won't know how many crows there were. We won't know the truth. Because only if you abide in my word, you will know the truth. And only then will the truth set you free. And that's why Jesus creates his church. And here he speaks. And here we know salvation. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Welcome this morning. We're really glad to have all of you here, and uh, especially our guests from Tennessee. And um, just want to thank everybody that was participated or was part of the youth program that happened um, between services. And 
uh, so just uh, this week, of course, is Holy Week, so there will not be a Wednesday night service. I know there's a little confusion about that. Uh, there will not be a Wednesday night this week, but there will be uh, Christmas Eve on Saturday, and there will be a full schedule on Sunday because it is all, also Christmas, but it is the Lord's Day, and we don't, ca- we don't cancel the Shabbat, the Sabbath of the Lord, for any reason whatsoever. So just to let you know that, and a couple announcements, several announcements here. First, uh, the new envelopes for next year in the narthex. So please pick those up so that I won't have to find you later. Um, and also, thank you for everybody that helped with Family Promise. We had a really great time. Uh, it was really super having some, some families that we could show Christ's love to for several weeks, and it was really a blessing. So thank you if you helped with that. And then also, today is the last chance to order poinsettias. So if you want a poinsettia, there's a sign-up sheet in the narthex, and Miss Bonnie Tryon will take your money. So please, if you want a poinsettia, here you go. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace that is from above and for the well-being of the churches of Christ and for the godly unity of all Christendom, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house and for those who in faith, piety, and the fear of God offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. For Matthew and Eric, our shepherds and bishops in Christ, for all pastors and teachers and all people, let us pray to the Lord. For our United States and all of our people, for Joe, our president, the Congress of the United States, for Kay, our governor, and the legislature of Alabama, for our judges and magistrates and all who serve in public office, let us pray to the Lord. For the sick and the sorrowing, for those who mourn, for those who are in need and distress, for the homebound and the infirm, Especially we pray this day for Doris, Melissa, Marianne, and Alice. We pray also for Gary and Bill, Joyce and Mary, for Mark and Eddie, for Joseph and Norma, for Kim and Suzette, for Bob and Martha, Marilyn and Colton and Dean and Terry, for Tony and Ross and Chris and Marion, for Meredith and James and George and Larry Dean, Earl and Suzette, Bob and, and Mallory, Mark and Hank, Haley and Jay, Tracy and Michelle, Carl and Karen, for Jimmy and Tina, Ainsley and Kevin, for Ron and Thelma, for Jesse and Ralph, Theo and Easton, for Doug and Hugh and Waylon and Ryan. And we pray for the families of our parish who mourn, especially the Heil family, the Blunt and Davis families, the Chan family, the Blackwell and Cooper family, the Tatum and Rogers family, the Tackle family, the Gross family, the Floriensig and Parsons family, the Freeman family, the Nielsen family, the Osbacher and Schwartz families, the Gallardi family, and the Whitfield family. We also pray for those in service to our country's armed forces, especially for Riley, Paul, Turner, Paul, and Hayden. And we pray for all of our university students, including Minnie and Noah, Katie and Dylan, Aiden and Jacob. And we pray, Heavenly Father, also for those to whom death is drawing near and for us all, that when our last hour shall come, we may depart this life the confidence of the sure faith, the consolation of her right, devout and holy hope, and in the communion of Christ, holy church, let us pray to the Lord. Amen. Recalling those who have gone before us in the faith and rejoicing to share with them the Sabbath rest which Christ has won for his people, that together with them we may be found faithful in the day of judgment and rejoice in the day of the resurrection of the dead, let us pray to the Lord. Amen. Finally, we pray for all those who travel during these, this time. 
these holy days? Lord God, Heavenly Father, you watched over Abraham and Sarah in their many, many years of pilgrimage. You also guided safely the Magi to the infant Jesus and home again. We pray that you will watch over all of us who must travel during these days, that our, that our traveling may be safe, that our homecomings may be joyful. We ask this for the sake of Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen.